In the weird mythical twilight of 1969 to 1971, while Nam raged, Nixon ruled, and the acid winds whipped through the byways of America, Creedence Clearwater Revival released five albums of the most perfect swamp rock the world had ever seen. The force behind this volcanic eruption hailed from the bullshit California town of El Cerrito, and his name was John Fogarty. Fresh out of the army and having stolen the mic and center stage from his brother Tom after Suzy Q dropped, Fogarty took command of the band after signing a horrible record contract with Fantasy Studios in Berkeley. Now you may not remember it because you ate the brown acid, but Credence rocked Woodstock too. During this prolific period, they never had a single number one hit, but they had five top ten albums. 14 top 10 singles, and more number two hits than anyone in history besides Drake, Madonna, and Taylor Swift. By 1972, the Fogarty brothers were at war, and Creedence Clearwater was in flames. When the dust finally settled, Fogarty was too pissed off to sing a Creedence song live until Bob Dylan whispered in his ear in 1987. The whole bloody shooting match lasted only five years, but the music would live forever. Now what does this have to do with the quote-unquote brains behind the epic and storied body of work collectively known as jackass? Absolutely nothing. But sometimes you need a little credence and sometimes you need a little jackass. As I say to my littlest daughter, here's the carnival. I give you a conversation with Jeff Tremaine. Jeff, welcome to uh, the show. I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here. I'm a super fan of yours, have been absolutely since forever, and I subjected many of my young children to your latest work last night in, a, in, an, oh, an, nice. exemplary, in an exemplary piece of parenting on my part. <laughs> well, How you doing, man? Good, good. Um, so I, I want to start with a uh, boorish, narcissistic, and depressing question and then rewind out to the fun, funny, interesting shit. Um, to what extent do you find yourself kind of a – do you feel at all a prisoner of your own success? I know that like I – you know – like doing this all the time and sort of making these things, I, I'm still always like, well, shit, I wish I were, redo- I wish I were doing that instead. You know, like you've made some of the funniest shit that the world has ever seen put in front, you know, where that a camera has been put in front of. Are you stoked with that? Are you like wishing you were doing other shit? Like, what do you, where's your head at overall? No, I'm, I'm in a real good place. I, um, <clears throat> you know, we're sort of blessed that the, the success of Jackass kind of sprung everything where, you know, I, I have the freedom to choose my, what my projects are going to be. So I get to just pick the ones that I'm really interested in, you know. So let's let's like rewind back for a minute in terms of like telling the origin story of how this kind of comes into the world and how it evolves over time. Because if you look at the like earliest iterations of Jackass all the way through the latest one, there is this like there's a continuity of vision that's kind of amazing and impeccable, and yet there's this constant evolution in terms of, I don't know, you know, the like the credit sequences for each of those movies and how they've evolved are these like brilliant, masterful, like mini films unto themselves. And you start to see the like, um, 
kind of, I don't know, the evolution of the production value and, and whatever else. And yet there is this core, like it is the same thing that it's always been forever, which is what I think people love about it. So how the hell did this come into the world? I was doing a skateboard magazine called Big Brother. Um, and it was really just sort of a, it was really a humor, like a, we, we were all about humor, right? We, uh, <clears throat> so we, we, we kind of centered around the, the skaters with the biggest personalities. And uh, we started making videos, basically. And uh, when we were putting out our second video, uh, Johnny Knoxville started, had started writing for the magazine. And uh, he pitched this idea to test out self-defense equipment on himself. Like pepper spray, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, pepper spray, yeah. A stun gun, taser darts, and then he wanted to shoot himself in the chest with a bullet, wearing a bulletproof vest. And uh, we thought, oh, that's that's great, but you got to film it. So I gave him a video camera, <laughs> you know. And uh, and he came back with the most compelling. Like I already, we had Steve-O, Pontius, Bam was doing his shit, and it was all great, but none of them were really talking to the camera they were just do it was all just doing yep. something stupid and ad hoc right right and then knoxville kind of revealed his whole personality and uh i thought it was just so compelling that soon after we put the video together uh, i showed it to spike and said i think we can make a tv show with these guys and and spike was all uh, all about it he knew what we were up to and he had all the access basically so, like, how clear is the vision at that point? Like, from that moment when kind of Knoxville, you know, <laughs> like, shows the potential of what it can be, like, how clear is your vision? Or Totally is it unclear. It like, uh, in fact, Knoxville and I are thinking, oh, well, we, we got to put him behind a desk and, and he'll kind of set up each thing, uh, thinking way more traditional style, right? Like, it's going to be a right. TV show. It's got to be something we've seen before, a TV show, right? And, and it really was Spike that calmed us down and said, no, no, you already, the format is set. Like, we, you know, the videos, the Big Brother videos were the exact format that uh, Jackasses just dipped a black onto the next little Helvetica lowercase. So... So how did you know Spike and what was the, like, talk about the kind of creative chemistry, like you're, you're touching on this already, but kind of like build it out how the team starts to kind of gel and what everybody's bringing to the party. So I met Spike, worked at uh, Rockville BMX, which was my local bike shop. And I was a freestyler, like dirt jumper and uh, ramp rider. And we hit it off right away. Um, everybody loved Spike. He was a little kid. I don't know how we got the job there, but uh, I picked him up one day and we uh, went out dirt jumping and we, we got along great. And then years later, uh, he we he and I, my family moved uh, to Potomac, Maryland, and he was in uh, Bethesda and we went to the same high school when he was in 10th grade and I was in, when, and I was a senior. Mm-hmm. And... We just we had a, a, a ramp at our friend's house, and we just skated and rode bikes every day, and I don't know, hit off a great friendship. And then, and so, uh, go ahead, yeah. And then he ended up uh, not going to college. He moved out to California and got a job at Freestyling Magazine, which is a another BMX magazine. And right as I I went to art school, I was studying graphic design and painting. And it just timed out perfectly that the magazine needed an art director right as I was graduating. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I just moved straight to L.A. from college, and he had already been here a few years, so. So, so like, as you guys are, you know, so after Knoxville shows up and he's got the video and got the footage and you're pitching it to Spike and, 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 and you know, sort of knocking it back and forth, then talk about the, like, formatting of it. And you're like, okay, like, how's this going to hang together as a, you know, as a TV show? What's the structure? And, and, like, how much of that shit is mapped out ahead of time versus let's shoot it, go into the edit, see what works? It was – none of it was mapped out. There was never <laughs> – there was never a game plan. It was just, this sounds funny. Let's go shoot it. Oh, let's go mm-hmm. try this. Let's try that. And uh, the format was already dictated, like I said, from the escape. It was just dip to black, come back with a new scene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that was just one shot or whether that was a little put-together sequence. Um, it was just very little thought. <laughs> it, it was, was all. It was all instinct. It was all instinct and just – full speed whatever made us laugh you know and you know how then when you're dealing with uh you know mtv early like how the hell do you budget it and like kind of know like okay is this going to work like how long are we going to be in the edit like or did you get the reins to just kind of run with it and figure it out as you went or when does it start to kind of coalesce as a, as a show well we shot the pilot with mtv it was just a pilot deal at first and uh we got this producer who, I mean, he was in over his head and we were in over <laughs> Everyone was drowning together. Yeah, well, we didn't, we weren't very concerned with getting, you know, premise releases from locations and <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't do that, you can't do this. You know, we weren't very good with hearing no. You so were we gonzo. Just, you were yeah, gonzo. we would just go punk it. We did this one thing for the pilot um where we dressed Johnny Knoxville up as a, an escaped prisoner and we handcuffed his hands in front of him and he ran into a hardware store uh, and you started using the hacksaw at the hardware store trying to saw the handcuffs off and the guy at the hardware store panicked uh, <laughs> and called the cops and uh, and we'd already, so we did this once and we just didn't get good coverage. That was Spike holding a little mini camera and we just had shitty coverage but all same thing, cops... Knoxville right. had to lay down the street. But the second time we did it, you know, it was under the MTV pilot deal. And uh, the cops were so hyper. Like this uh, lady, I think she was worked for the sheriff's department, just drove her car, jumped out of her car. The car wasn't in park, so the, sh- the cop car jumped the curb and ran into a pole. She had her gun drawn. And it was fucking crazy. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, is MTV shitting when you're like, are they not yeah. hip to what's going on? Yeah, well, you know, they were hip to what was going on, but they, I mean, that one got out of control fast. Uh, I mean, we're lucky Knoxville didn't get shot. He was laying down on the middle of the Santa Monica Boulevard, and our production coordinator got arrested. Uh, <laughs> and Spike just jumped in a car and fucked off. And uh, so that uh, MTV basically shut down the pilot at that time. And so we went to the office and took all the tapes and sort of held the tapes hostage. Perfect. <laughs> it, was, Perfect. It, was a sh- it was a showdown with MTV. Uh, and finally we all just calmed down and put the pilot together and it tested great and we went right into series. Uh, you know, as always with these things, right, like once sort of the machine understands like, hey, this this could work, this could be a hit, then you start to get the buy-in. But like still, how are you navigating the – 
you know, the, 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 the total gonzo nature of what you guys are doing, like mitigates against all of the like corporate structure of doing it. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Right. <laughs> it sounds so calculated. It, it, there was, again, there was no calculation and we were just, I was learning on the fly, uh, trying to, you know, do things, you know, as legally as possible, but still make it fun. And the first, so we shot eight episodes uh, our each season of Jackass was eight episodes, eight, eight 21 minute episodes. And we were deep into shooting the second eight when uh, a kid lit himself on fire in Connecticut imitating Jackass. And so all this heat came down from uh, Senator Lieberman onto MTV. He was like, this is terrible for kids, blah, blah, blah. And MTV got a little scared. And so the solution they came up with is put an OSHA guy with us. So we have this OSHA Amazing. Safety. Amazing. <laughs> Instead of like, I mean, and it just zapped the fun. Like we shot this bit um, called The Vomlet. We were just in a, we were in Miami. And Dave England came to me with this idea. He wanted to eat the ingredients of an omelet and throw it up into the pan and cook it. <laughs> and then, so we shot it, and it was hilarious. Like, he's feeding the omelet to Steve-O, and it was just completely out of control, throw-up fest. Um, and then we turned it in, and MTV kicked it back uh, because we couldn't prove that it was cooked at, you know, a certain <laughs> amount of degree, like, I don't know, uh, 200 right. degrees or whatever. So... We were, you know, we were pissed. Knoxville was really getting upset with being told no. You know, it was it was getting harder to make it fun and keep it spontaneous. So we reshoot the idea, and we're just dicks about it. Like, like I've got a thermometer in the right, right, <laughs> in the right, bomblet, right in, their fa- right in their faces. Yeah, and like we put the other guys in hazmat suits around it, just just to be dicks. And uh, and we we aired it, but it just wasn't near that version. wasn't near as funny as the original one. And uh, basically, after that, that was in our third series of eight episodes. We quit the show. We like, you, you know, it's not working. Like this OSHA guy is telling us we can't jump off, you know, a three foot ladder when <laughs> we have an eight right. foot ladder. You know, it's just it didn't make sense to try to put OSHA standards on Jackass. Jackass is designed to <laughs> to say the least fuck each other up, right? So, uh, so we quit the show, and MTV was baffled, like. Uh, they couldn't believe we were walking away from this runaway hit show. And the solution came to let's just do we, uh David Gale from MTV Films came to me uh, in the middle season and said, hey, you guys should make this a movie. And I was like, movie? I don't even know how to make this a TV show. Right. <laughs> that movie doesn't make sense. But And then Spike brought that idea back up. Like, what if we made it an R-rated movie? Then we don't have to worry about the little kids imitating it and – uh, get a bigger budget uh, and figure it out, and so that—that's what we did. <laughs> I rem—I remember going to that movie, and I and, and I and I left like, and I walked out of the theater, and I was looking at the crowd, and I thought like, I don't think I've ever seen an audience more satisfied with having paid their like ten bucks for a movie or whatever it is. Like everyone like got what they came for in this like profound way, and. Like, talk about what the transformation is from show to movie. And and I guess here's specifically what I'm asking is when you sit down to do this, how where 
you know, who's cooking up what in the room? How much, like, what are the different contributions of the players? Because it's like you're running this this carnivalesque band or something. How are you determining, like, okay, that one's a winner. Okay, this one may not be. Like, talk about who's doing what and kind of how it cooks. Like, all the guys would contribute ideas. Like, the ideas come from not even just the the cast members. You know, a lot of them come up with ideas that they want to shoot, and we just modify them or... Uh, but Knoxville and I sort of meet with everybody and round up the ideas. And it can be from our cameraman, our, uh, you know. Anybody with a good idea. Anybody with yeah. a good idea, you know. Um, but, yeah, the movie, it was bizarre because, I, you know, we didn't, I didn't even know the TV business. And then now we're in the movie business. And like, right. I meet with Sherry Lansing over at Paramount. And she's like, yeah, just make sure it's a bigger and crazier than the TV show. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to tell me twice. Like, hey, man. Like, that's good. Note taken. Note yeah, taken. Yeah, note taken. And it was just a bizarre... Yeah, and they left us alone to do it. Like, Paramount, uh, MTV, everyone was great on that. Like, that was just fucking full speed ahead. They dealt with all the, you know, bullshit, like the insurance and all Right, stuff. right, right. All, not, the shit that yeah. ma- all the shit that makes it go. It, so that you and, guys can be yeah, creative. We... We were no longer told no on, God, I'm trying to think what ideas got shut down. I mean, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't usually the studio telling us no. It was, you know, like, right. <laughs> we've had a few ideas that were a little radical. And so what percentage of the bits that you're doing end up on the cutting room floor versus in the movie? Like, how often do you have something that's like, oh, well, that was a bust. It sounded amazing. And then that was a total bust. It was funny. Like, on the first movie, we just basically put everything on the DVD. So whatever didn't make the movie just was a Straight DVD, to the DVD. DVD yep. extra. And I was like, man, we should have saved that stuff, you know, for another movie or something. You know, like, because some of it was funny. Yeah. Um. And so the next, uh, for Jackass number two, uh, I sort of promised, hey, there's going to be at least an hour of extra footage. Let's let's do something with that. And so we turned it into a business. We, we call those the .5s, right? Yeah, so it's great. It's after two, there was a 2.5. And some of the failed bits turned into some of the funniest shit ever if we can give it a context and tell you the behind-the-scenes story of what's going on. And then you play the whatever the failed bit was and you get it kind of told the way it should be you, you understand what's going on and uh so that's that, a br- that's a brilliant piece of storytelling right where it's like and and i think what you're doing there is so effective because it's like okay how do we now give you the audience the pieces that you need to understand what we've got so there's that layer of enjoyment to it which is which is amazing like that was so smart of you guys to to do it that way and, and it wasn't super thought out it was just like man we have all this footage and it just gets lost on a dvd it was sort of like let's this is good shit let's do something i was thinking it was going to be the head get a head start on you know jackass number two and use some of that foot or whatever but it turned into the the point fives which i think are really funny (laughs) yeah they're they're amazing they're amazing so uh so ever since then we've done a point five even on bad grandpa we did a point five so talk about the main titles, like because and the evolution of those, uh, you know, the opening credit sequences in each of the films, and when you're doing those, what the design is, like who all's involved in in that, because those things are, you know, master classes in their own right. Talk about how those get cooked up. So 
a lot of time I don't, it's hard to say where the idea starts those those evolve into their own things very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and it's really we lean on spike with all his filmmaking expertise on those and yep. all the tricks he's learned and all his contacts to fill then they start to just really take on a life of their own um, like on the new one uh, we wanted to do this sort of yeah Godzilla movie but we were at first the guys were all going to be giants and on a miniature set and then there was going to be destruction but the, it was with the guys giant and then the idea came to do well let's do his penis as a monster set right and so at the time we're developing both ideas thinking the penis will just be in the movie and then we'll do the big one at the end and we we shot it the penis in the middle of the movie like a small version of it and I was thinking, God, this this could be the open. And so right, I was so, right. But it just seemed a little crazy to open right. the movie with a just a raw dick shot. You know, it's just <laughs> crazy. So, uh, but when we saw it, we it was really just a proof of concept that the the penis wasn't very offensive at all. It looked kind of cute, you know, right, <laughs> like right, right. down the city. And uh, and we all got on board. Like, let's let's shit can this thing halfway through because we we didn't have it prepared right for the a bit in the movie and we just blew out the doors on the concept and just decided all right we have proof of concept this can work and are you shooting that once you've shot everything else is that the last thing you do yeah. or is it is yeah. the, 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 always. that's always always i figured always. that was probably yeah. the case well it'll be the last thing we do and then knoxville never wants to stop shooting so we'll let oftentimes like give him a camera to go run off and keep keep going till the gas runs out yeah he has no like so that was a great way for while we're developing that he can stay out and keep right knoxville's occupied (laughs) now we can right (laughs) hilarious so uh so talk about the like wrangling of all of the like you know you as the like ringmaster and director of this you've got this um you you get this like carnival of lunatics around you and you're and you're having to know like the right tool at the right time. Like how how are you navigating the personal relationships and navigating the um, dialing in the vibe? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, you know, because sometimes we're pranking the guys and I have to just lie to them straight to their faces. Uh, sometimes I know it's going to suck, but I, I know I want this guy to do it, so I've got to go on and just uh, – you got to wear a lot of hats, you know, and know, and you really have to know the guys. Like it really helps for me to know the everything. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's twenty so. years now that you guys have been like doing all this, right? I mean, it, it's like so. There's that deep lifelong thing of the long term collaborators, right? And yeah, and <laughs> you've got to be a dick, you know, because yeah, I've I've blatantly tricked the guys, uh, you know, and had to promise, ah, nothing's gonna come. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of the like ra- the like rattlesnake in the dark scene, you know, right, in, in right, forever, right. right? And it's just like you can see, like I can imagine you, like, okay, I got to trick fuck them to get them in the door. Then it's got, but I need the like layout to get what I need, and then I yeah. can imagine the like you know periodic. Yeah, yeah it's exactly from it's exactly what you think it's gonna be, <laughs> right? And uh, you know, I think though at the end of the day, everyone is invested in. Well, fuck, I'm just gonna. Go for it. I know it's going to suck, but you know, right. I We're making only, something here. I can only control what I can control. <laughs> uh, but, 
But no one would have volunteered to kn- knowing what was going on in that. Hell no. Right? That Hell no. It. No, absolutely no one. Um, talk about the new sort of the bringing in of, you know, new cast members and the integration of like getting the vibe of that right and how you're going to find the balance of, you know, the people that we've grown up with loving and then buying into the new, right. the new crop. So we, we Knoxville came to me with the idea to shoot a new one. And I was like, oh, my God, like, all right, I'm in, but fuck. <laughs> we, it, was, it was 10 years after the last one. You know, 10 years is a long yeah. time. And uh, we, we pitched the idea to Spike. Hey, yeah, Knoxville had a poll, like, notebook filled with ideas. Uh, and we told Spike, and he's like, ah, well, let's, let's do a test just to make sure, because none of us knew how the world would accept a bunch of middle-aged men kicking each other in the nuts right like it doesn't sound very funny but well uh, and and i want to i want to drill in on that because that's like a super interesting thing that you guys have navigated really brilliantly but go ahead and continue the story and then we'll double back to that and so we thought well you know having been in this world now for as long as i have we sort of cherry pick some of the guys that i thought would work and you know uh knoxville kind of has been you know, scouring the internet and wherever else. So we, we came up with a, a list of people we wanted to try out, knowing that we probably need some young blood in there too. Yep. But I wanted to make sure we had the OGs. And we shot a little two-day test. And like five minutes into it, it was just on. The, 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 everything was just, you could tell, it was just, everyone was so ready to go. Right, it was going to work. It was going to work. It was obvious. So we got two weeks, and a lot of that footage ended up in the movie. So, so you didn't. So, literally, the test shoot ends up being the audition in some way or another. Or did yeah, you? Yeah, that, any... that, that's what it ended up being. It was it, it more than anything audition the new guys and see how well they fit in. And yeah, everybody that stuck around um, instantly blended in. So there wasn't anybody that you picked in terms of, you know, as Knoxville scouring the internet, talent scouting, and it's like, ooh, like, like you guys were all pretty much in agreement about who would kind of roll in, and those are the folks that are in the movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, we tried a bigger group. So some of them are just in a couple scenes and some mm-hmm. of them are more. So uh, yep. we ended up cherry picking the four that we thought would did the best in that, that, that just worked out. So, so I want to now. I want to go back to what you were just talking about a minute later because it's like the culture has changed so much since you guys first started, and now we live in this like you know firestorm of kind of outrage at every turn, and like everybody's very you know the culture is often either walking on eggshells. Like, talk about like what were the discussions as you guys are like, how's this shit gonna work? And you know, this day and age, and and how and like, do we steer away from it or do we I, just steer right into the torpedo? It's hard to know. There's certain things that are obvious torpedoes, right? Like, right. You know, the thing I think about Jackass is it's it's not really mean spirited, right? It's all in good fun. Fun right. with your group, and uh, I don't know. I think we've all evolved with the times to to try not to do. I don't know. We do our best, but you can get so nervous and try to think that oh, you can't do this anymore. You can't do that. But what if we just do it? <laughs> 
Well, uh, I mean, like I can imagine that trap though, because there is that thing like, oh, well, if we do, like, does it cut the balls off, so to speak, like what we're doing? Like, you could easily have sort of fallen into that, uh, you know, that trap to do so. Like, it's got to be outrageous and bigger than it was before to work. You know, did, were you, did you have, were you, was there trepidation or was it like balls to the wall? Let's see what happens. I've learned, I learned after the first movie that it's a dangerous path to go down to think everything needs to outdo what we did. We need to always out Bigger, faster, more. Bigger, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a death trap, right? Like really what we need to do is just be funny. Right. <laughs> that's, it's that simple. And I try to calm everyone down like, no, just, this is a funny idea. Let's do it. Right. And na- there's a natural, like, we evolve into this. This was funny then. This, and it, it gets worse for us to be funnier, right? So it just, mm-hmm. it, it naturally evolves without forcing it and trying to make it gnarlier than the last thing. You know, like, <laughs> Jackass number two is way gnarlier than Jackass right. number one. Right. Uh, and, I don't think we could out gnarly Jackass number two. Right. That was that was, yeah, that was the peak. You found the everyone's, line. Everyone's ready to die. Let's go. <laughs> and, and, then, so, and then Jackass number three got a little more sentimental. Still funny. Still crazy. But like, uh, and then the new one. I don't even know how to analyze it. You know, uh, too, early, too, early, too early to say yet. Too know, early to like, say. Uh, it was very odd. We got good reviews for the first time on the new movie. What do we do now? Well, I, and it just never sat right with me. It made me think, oh, man, well, we've been doing this too long or the world is broken. Right. <laughs> it, or we're not punk anymore, you know, like, so, right. like, and it's probably a little bit of all of that, right? Like, <laughs> but, but still. It, yet, it con- yet it continues, yet it continues to work, you know? Yeah. I think people still like outrageous stuff, you know, like a lot of times people say, oh, you can't shoot that anymore. I'm like. You kind of can. You just have right. to. <laughs> right. It just got to work. You got to thread the needle, man. You got to just go for it, though. So, like, what's the – talk about the kind of, like, craft and process of this in terms of, for you know, the, the, the scripting stage. So Knoxville shows up when he's got a notebook full of, like, what about this, what about that? And then you guys are sitting down. You're, like, taking ideas from the crew. You're pitching ideas. Yeah. How much of it is um, – do you know how many days you're shooting when you're going to start? Like, how, how mapped out is it, like, in that regard? It's, uh, you know, uh, I don't start to think of the number of shoot days. Uh, it, and it's per, per sort of, you know, when we decide, oh, we have, we have enough. Let's make this. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you know, the ideas, like, whoever comes up with the original idea, it goes through a whole machine before it gets shot. Sometimes it's very close to what was originally pitched, and a lot of times it turns into something much bigger and better. Right. Because um, everyone's bending it, twisting it, yeah, adding their exactly. two cents. And right. Flip this upside down, do that. You know, it just... Uh, so we had a set number of days, uh, but I, I think we even came in short on the new one, where we just felt like we had it. No reason to... Dude, now you're finishing like ahead of time and under budget. Like what became of you, Jeff? You know, it's crazy. Like we were, you know, we had all these plans to, I was like, it's, it only works when I I used to hate to shoot in LA because every, it felt like a part-time job, right? Like everyone shows up to set and then they go home after. 
Whereas when we were shooting on the road, we're all just at comedy. All consuming. Yeah, yeah, we're just, there's never a call time because it's just going haywire at night, haywire during the day. Uh, but the new one, we shot it all here and didn't travel. And so I would go home and I'd be having dinner with my kids. And, you know, wow. Just having just survived the wildest day. And then, you know, like, it was so crazy to me, but it worked still. So. That's civilized. Now you're li- now you're living now you're doing it living civilized I mean, at the same time. Yeah, it was very odd. Um, and then you know the COVID of it all. We started shooting. We got seven days into shooting, and then COVID hit, and we had to push pause for seven months. So, so talk about when you get into the edit, right? So now, like you've you've blasted out of the cannon, literally in this case, but like metaphorically too. You've shot everything. How much do you have in your mind of like, okay, it starts here, then it goes to here, like the the, the kind of like puzzling the jigsaw puzzle together of like what's the order and escalation and rhythm of it? How right. do you find that? Well, first you just edit all the bits, right? Individually. So, well, yeah, what's fun about a Jackass movie is that you, you have just a big puzzle. <laughs> right. Like every bit just has to work. It doesn't have to work with the next thing. It just has to work by itself. On its own. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a bit of a formula. Like if you went gross here, you can't go gross again until here. And if mm-hmm. it's, you have to feature each of the guys. Uh, so, uh, or if there's a, who knows what, like an animal attack here, then you wait a bit. Right. So there's certain things that, and then some of it's just the you feel the rhythm of it, and you start. It's so fun to shift it around. Um, like I used to be way too gnarly with the edits, right? I used to think, "Oh, that's not funny. Take that out," and I'd, I'd kill a lot of the heart and just get to the punchline too fast, right? Uh, and think that everybody was as as as, as extreme as us, who wanted to see the just the violent, gross stuff, and, right? Right. And I learned, you know, like actually, you know, we got to open this up and let it breathe a little more. Uh, put some of the softer stuff in just because it has good, great personality. Uh, and then it, well, it also ends out. up being, it also ends up being like sort of setup stuff and kind of character stuff that, that makes you invest more in the most outrageous shit because you've had either a chance to breathe or to hook in with the character in some way or another. Right. Um, so how much, how often are you, or how fully are you reshuffling the deck once you're in post are you cut, you know, in terms of the order, chronology, like how many times are you reshuffling the cards? How long are you cutting for? We cut, we, we start cutting, you know, the day after we start shooting, you know. So we're editing. It's really founded from the jump. Yeah. yeah, from the yeah. jump. And uh, so we, I don't know how many edit days we put in, but it's, it's a grind. Are you going like six months? Or are you going three months? Or are you like well, uh, like six months? At least six months. Yeah, we 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 usually let's say we start in January. The film will air in October, and we stop cutting probably in August. Right. So. Um. And are you how deeply like? You know, I know I have to go in and out of the edit bay. Like sometimes I have to be in there all the time, every second, like as you're getting closer. And then sometimes I've got to like, okay, here's the vibe. Here's the idea. I need to step away from this for a hot minute and sort of like take and run with it. Are you in there all the time? Are you handing the ball back and forth? What do you do? Uh, I like to be there all the time. 
Um, but same, just what you said. Sometimes I need to just let trust the editors to go and uh, and they they find stuff that I didn't see. Or sometimes I make them deconstruct it all the way back, and then we end mm-hmm. up in the same place they had it. But I had to just yeah. find it with them. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm very involved. You know, we we definitely just sit in the edit bay all the and time. Just, you just grind, and I love that. I, that's where. Yeah, uh, I do that's, too. It's my favorite. It's re- it's where it's where a lot of it really it's is like. If it's not made there, it's certainly remade there, and it's where it's all right. it's it's where it, it's dialed in. Um, talk yeah. about music and 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 score and like you know choices of like what are we gonna do and like how much like does this need to like breathe? Not have any music there? Like what's your what's your philosophy on music? Uh, I'm not a wall to wall music i used to be i used to think everything had to have music behind it and uh and i love i'm so involved in picking the music uh and some bits are real hard to find the right song mm-hmm. if you're like and you know it when you hear it you, you know exactly it has to be that song and then you, you're set up for heartbreak because if for right, some right. reason that song won't clear you're fucked like uh i remember the opening sequence for bad grandpa was one of the hardest things to score, like to find the right song. We knew we wanted a big song. And then uh, somebody put in Mr. Blue Sky by ELO, and it right. just brought it to life. Right. And so we go out to Jeff Lynn and ELO, and it doesn't clear. Like, he, it, it, well, first we get it back. It won't clear. Like, I'm like, well, just throw money at it. Of course it'll clear. Right. And there was no price to, that it would. <laughs> Categorically, <laughs> this will not clear. Categorically. And it was, yeah, like uh, Knoxville sent a personal note to Jeff Lynn. They talked on the phone. Jeff was just wanted to put that song to bed for a little while. Like he was just tired of licensing that song. And so we had to go back and try it. We tried a million songs. Finally, we landed on this uh, David Lee Roth song that it worked. Good, but it like it just didn't have the same magic to, in my mind. I was dead set on that ELO song, and we never got it. It's 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 the horrible, uh, you know, that sinking feeling of tempitis where oh. you've been like married to it forever, yeah, right? right? And then like, like now, what are we gonna do? That's very real. Um, yeah. So you know, I've gotten better at like, all right, let's find it. We know we want this song, but let's get a cheap option. And right. Know that exactly. We might live with this, so you don't get that. So married in temp, you know, you hear it a couple ways. What's everybody else doing in the edit? How much is Spike in the edit? How much is Knoxville in the edit? How much are you screening for people to know, like, okay, like, do I need to change the rhythm here? Is this working? Like, what's what's that process of kind of dialing it down? Uh, Knoxville's there a lot. <clears throat> this movie, we had more of Spike than we ever did before, I think. I think this is the first time he wasn't buried in a project at the same time. Right. So he was he got very involved in the edit um you know all the way through not just the opening closing sequence but all of it. Um so it, it was it was a lot of fun and this you have some of this was editing online like you know where you we guys were, are remote and just beaming remote, in is that what but you mean? It, but it was working yeah but like seeing a live picture with the edit yep. and then you know just having like a zoom basically yeah yeah and i was i was impressed with how well that worked because it felt like that was sort of invented you know right. while we were a minute ago yeah a minute ago and it really worked uh 
<clears throat> but we, you know, we so we did the broad strokes of the movie like that, and then finally we were able to get in the bay, and it really did help to do the finishing touches on it. You, you kind of like you can you ha- you have to be in the room finally when you're sewing it up, you know, getting yeah. everything because it's all that little tiny stuff that an audience may or may not like will probably never consciously recognize, but that makes it all yep. go down and be dialed. Um, what about do, do you do test screenings like are you are you showing it to people? Do you have like, a you know, your crew of, of trusted folks like or, or do you we, guys just trust your instincts? No, we, we, we definitely have to show it to people. And, you know, we, we study where they were all the way in and where, you know, we lost them a little bit. Um, so, no, we definitely test, do, especially friends and family. But uh, all right, I'll give you an ex- example for the new movie. Uh in the opening sequence, uh, Spike really liked putting the shot of Chris. It was a behind the scenes mm-hmm. where we see yeah, Chris yeah, yeah. is the monster early. And I wanted to hold that joke to the very end. And so I fought him on it. I just said, this is not the right decision. You got to re- reveal it at the end when the turtle comes out. That's when we see what's been going on. Right. And, uh, and he's like, no, it's more fun for the audience if they know what's going on. If they're in on it. Right. If they're in on it. And I'm like, yeah, you're wrong. So we tested them side by side, my version and his version. And I was completely wrong. Right. <laughs> 100% <laughs> wrong. And I got to – but it, it was satisfying for me because I got to truly see these, – these were audience tests. These weren't friends and family. These were just right. pure audience tests and – yeah, I got to learn, like, man, I can't truly trust my instinct. Well, it's a it's a funny thing, right? I mean, it's a funny piece of the job where you're, you know, at its essence, you're there because you've got some weird guiding spirit, gut instinct, like, oh, this shit's going to be funny. This is going to work. Like, this is right. And then you got to, like, street test that against and then fi- be prepared to either, like, die on the cross or adjust based on the feedback you're you're getting back. Right, exactly, and yet you you got to know your instincts aren't always right. You know, right, most of it got it right, but like you got to trust what you see. <laughs> you know? Right, if they're not responding, there's something wrong. You know where you want them to respond. How like how do you deal with the? Has this been relevant? The kind of like notes process, like you talk about. You know, you were comparing early on the TV show where it starts to get like the life starts to get out of it, the the fun starts to get sucked out of it because it is too you know, corporatized or like doing what you do doesn't fit in that environment with the movies are how much is like, you know, is the studio waiting in with, you know, dialing it in and how much is that useful or crazy making? You know, like I used to be really resistant to hearing any notes from the corpos, right? Right. Right. I used to just be absolutely resistant. But I learned early on, like, maybe don't take their solution. Just hear that there's a problem right there. Like, they are great at identifying it's not working right here. You know, it's not working. Not, right not, here. not necessarily telling you why, but giving you the feedback. Like, there's a bump, and, like, the suggested yeah. solution may not be right, but it tells you to go back and rework the mechanics. Yeah, and, that's, and you have to hear that, right? They're, they are right. When they know it's not working, uh, and they'll tell you why, and maybe – they haven't, you know, who knows if that's, the, you know, we're talking in generics, but but when they identify a problem, there is, is a problem. Right. It, it, they just might not have the solution. You got to go back and fix it. Right. 
are, are there any, were there any like peak moments in this journey where like, I guess peak or Nader, you know, throughout from when you're starting the, the, you know, the show to the last movie coming out where you're like, holy shit, I have like crossed the line or like, <laughs> we're never going to like get back here or, 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 and, or the moments where it's like, man, this was like, this was an amazing moment and like it worked. Like what are, what are the ones that hang with you kind of from doing this for so long? Well, you know, like the miracles where a prank gets all the way to the, you know, where we get it exactly right, where you, it could have fallen off like we did on, it was number two, I think when ever, we all shaved our pubic hair and right. glued it on Aaron's face. And it, we felt we have, if he just catches us now, it's done. We already right. have it. But it just kept going, and everyone's bad ideas. We just tried everything. We, we had them on the hook so hard that we just took it into crazy town. And when you when you get a prank like that, or we had a few with uh, Bad Grandpa, where this is such a dumb idea, I don't even want to shoot it. Right. But when those work, like it's a miracle. Like, yeah, the idea we were going to ship uh, the little boy in a box, and we got right. these these two ladies who were just on the hook. So we're I. It was so baffling to me that I didn't even prepare. Like, well, what do we do now? They they're going to do it, <laughs> you know? right? So, so then we now just what? Now we just start to spin and take it into crazy town, you know, and uh, see how how far we can push something, you know. Uh, but you have to be. It, it would have helped if I probably just wrote it like they're going to believe it. So let's take it here, here. Like right. instead, we were just impulsively coming up with stupid things to right. to keep it going. Um, and like yeah, Knoxville had the idea for the the giant hand to swing around the corner and smash the guys. And I'm like, right. That's, that just couldn't in my head figure out how that would work. So I was, I was kind of, I, I knew it'd be funny if it worked, but I just didn't believe in it. And he just pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally we built the thing. And then we brought the guys in one at a time. and just started <laughs> Whammo. Whammo. And it worked. And so we started adding, like we had a, uh, one of our production team, one of the girls, put all this tomato soup in <laughs> in bowls. <laughs> and then we knew he was going to come in through this door. So like, hey, can you help me with this soup? So he's walking with the tray of soup. You know, like, why is the soup in bowls? Right, right. Out there. <laughs> you know, it's just so fun to just when, when it's going into crazy town. Like, I don't normally like zany comedy, but real zany comedy is amazing. Right. right. When it's when. When someone's believing this stupid thing, it, I love it. So how do you achieve that? Like the combination of working with, you know, the Mark civilians, whatever it is, and like integrating in like, how are we going to like, because you're working on multiple levels, right? I'm thinking of like, you know, Knoxville and the, in the cherry picker with the, you know, the lady pulling right. the levers, right? And four, like how, like, how are you orchestrating that? And how do you know, okay, this is going to work where this person's going to buy in and, and coordinating like the bits that are going to be happening? Well, that, that was, a, you know, like that kind of, it is great when there's not a lot of geography. It's all happening right here. It's just a matter of if Knoxville can get them to come move the levers, you know? Right. So we have great coverage in, in a situation like that um, in great control. Like, I love those when we're getting someone to cause something right. terrible. <laughs> right. And then for Knoxville to make it nice after, but, like, just this whole chaos. Um, that's just the game, right? Like the game is – design it to where 
they're gonna the you you he's got to creatively get the person to do what we wanted to do. Right. And so you've loves, you've engineered you've engineered the scenario and then he's got to execute. Yeah. yeah. Like we've done that a bunch of times. All kinds of variations of that idea. Um but those it's the best when the mark is we learned this a long time. You can't just perform in front of the marks where you don't they need to be engaged, in, you know. Yeah, they got to be engaged. Yeah. So uh, I don't know that's I love I love doing that kind of stuff. Just just getting into the psychology of you know even even sometimes you know when we do uh, bad grandpa or bad trip bad trip there was a lot of get them to say the plot of the movie <laughs> like let's, right let's, exactly let's get them to you got to go fishing advice. for it right you got to fish for it and and you know <clears throat> yeah it's just we know we want the the mark to say. Like we had the opening sequence in uh, Bad Trip where the, the old man basically sets the journey of the plot and uh, he sits on a bench with this guy and tells him his love story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gets the guy to say, you got to go for it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It was so fun to just fish. We fished that like three or four different marks. And, you know, yeah, yeah. You got to be prepared to shoot it multiple times. Are you – what's your stress level when you're in production? Are you – you know, pulling your hair out, being like, is it going to work? Or are you juiced with the fun of it? Or are you toggling between the two just based on whatever the given scenario is? I I think I'm internally stressed when we're shooting just because, you know. It, Making it happen. But yeah. but once we once we start, I just love it so much. You know? yeah. like I, and, um, and I'm sitting there just uh, – I've got all the camera angles and I've got a microphone where I can talk to the actor – and I'm just, you know, like, oh my god, I I just heard that person say this. Go over and you right, know, you're it, spinning, it, you're spinning the knobs to like keep, you know, make yeah, make yeah. it work in the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we're like, all right, hey, walk away from the situation. Now come back. <laughs> right, right. So it's a whole. It's a yeah. Game. I mean, it's it's playing chess with the world where you've got control over some objects but not over others. And how do you make it? How do you do the dance to make it all work? Yeah, it got it, like in Bad Grandpa got really tricky just because I had. Two microphones, right? I have Jackson, the little boys, and I've got Knoxville's, and uh, and I try not to ride either of their ears, so I turn them on and off, and so it's constantly like, oh shit! Right? Am I talking to the right one at the right time? Right. And, and with Jackson, I had to make sure I, I anticipated what that person said, so I could because he will just blurt it out as I said it, right? And not not truly understand the you know like he right. just is, knows to say you're, you're I, pulling the lever and the words yeah come yeah out. Right. yeah and uh. So, you know, Jackson somebody's be like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, <like> <laughs> uh, but he was funny. Um, so that helped me get really deliberate. Like, I was like, all right, you know. And so when I'm working with an actor who hasn't done it before, it really helps me that I, I've done it with a child. Yeah. Where I've learned I can make it real clear versus getting excited and being like with Knoxville I can just get excited and he tunes it out and he's he's in the moment. Right, right. So he does he only needs to know camera direction more than anything. Like he's like, mm -hmm. "Hey, you're blocking this camera. Move to your right." Like so so last two questions for you, which is what are the set of influences, you know, that you feel like have shaped your voice as a filmmaker and and, and um 
you know, the journey that you've taken, like early on, what was the shit you watched? What did you, you know, who were the people that you gravitated to and how much do you see the imprint of their work, you know, influencing yours? Man, that's a good, I, I don't know if there's a direct influence. Um, like I used to love like Raising Arizona, like early right. Coen Brothers stuff. I loved uh, Hollywood Shuffle, which is a weird little sketch yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Spinal Tap. Yeah, those are the movies I watched a million times. Just right. Those uh, are the ones that are in the DNA. Whether it was, like they're they're coming right. out in some way or another. Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if you could pinpoint an influence on any of that, but I, that is what I was into growing up. Um, uh, dig it. Great. So my last question for you is. Like, what is the day-to-day of your life in terms of, you know, when you're not in a movie, when you're not, you know, doing one of these, what is the development process? How are you running the company? How much are you logged in? Or how much are you in, like, how much downtime are you taking just stepping away from it? Like, what's the what's the rhythm of your life when you're not on set? Like, I, I, I wouldn't say I ever step away from it intentionally. Some things just take a long time to truly get going. Um and I, that took a while to figure out because I, I don't like idle hands at all. I like to just mm-hmm. be constantly in working in yeah. motion. And uh, so, you know, the Jackass movie came together very easily. Uh, but like the movie, The Dirt that I did, uh, that took yep. eight, year, eight years to yep. fully get going. Yep. And Bad Trip took five years. So sometimes, you know, and you, tr- you try to keep it all constantly in motion. Uh, the, but, the protracted development process in the feature game, though, is just like it's a it, like it's a beating. It, it just mm-hmm. like it takes so long to get anything through the mechanism, which the joy of like docs and the improvisational stuff is like you can go from gestation to execution much more quickly. Yeah. And, and you know, I've learned to because I used to be a just. I liked a steady knowing that everything's steady and, you know, and yeah. now I'm completely freelance. And, but I've learned just just wait and the right thing's going to kind of fall in your lap. And then, you know, uh, or with the dirt, this project became available. I had to go get it. Yeah. Chase but, it down, wrangle it but, down. But it's there, you know, and this is yeah. you, you pinpoint on something. But a lot of it just falls right in my lap, too. Like, just, yeah. Best best laid plans. Who knows? You're doing you're right. getting dealt with whatever cards come from yeah. the cinema gods. Exactly. Um, all right. My last question for you is if there's any like, is there any movie that you have not yet had a chance to make that you're just dying to do? Like what's what's the, is the, do you have one burning in you that like you just want to bring into the world? Um, I've got uh, a script that we developed. Uh, we wrote over the pandemic that I'm trying to get made. Turns out it's it's pretty expensive because there's a lot of swamp and shit in it. <laughs> so uh, we we wrote it not thinking about like like how, how, how much does it cost to make a swamp <laughs> right right when that's what you got to figure out because yeah there's a lot of it's a it's a shitty <laughs> location so right. uh but hopefully we can get that going um, all right. Well, I'm I'm sending I'm sending all my like good vibes that you conjure that one it. into the world, man, because it's uh, you know, I think you're one of the like great certainly one of the great forces in, you know, comedy for the last long time, but also just 
you know, a, a, a super original voice. And it goes back to what you were saying, like, okay, there were the movies that you watched, but you've been following, you've been flying by your own lights, like wherever it takes you. And it's, um, it's a rare and precious talent that can do that for so long, so successfully. And, 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 uh, and I'm, and I'm glad you're out there in the world now. Make it us all I appreciate laugh. it, man. That's great. Thank you. Awesome. All right. I appreciate your time. Okay, buddy. Be good. A final thought. What's remarkable about the medium of documentaries is that it's elastic enough to hold the dream-weaving work of Joshua Oppenheimer, the moral provocations of Michael Moore, the rigor and precision of Errol Morris, the idiosyncrasies of Werner Herzog, and the hilarity of Jackass and Borat. And still, its future remains unwritten. Thank you to Jeff Tremaine for sharing his time and making us laugh in his movies. And thank you to Johnny Knoxville, Bam, Steve-O, and all the rest of the cast and crew of Jackass Past and Present. Thank you to Spike Jones for the high and low art of his career so far. And with apologies to the fine citizens of El Cerrito, I have nothing against your town and was just trying to make Fogarty's strange journey have a simple point of departure. See you next time on The Dangerous Art of the Documentary. The Dangerous Art of the Documentary is a Tillerman Films production. Executive producers are Tiller and Fitz. Our producer is Jacob Miller. Music by Zydepunk. The show is executive produced and distributed by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis Productions. Thanks for listening, and please, don't forget to subscribe.